0: the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks
1: if a potential romantic partner has a higher probability of being rejected if that person has a mental disorder. So the question's really asking, do People discriminate against people with mental disorders in terms of romantic relationships. So when we look at kind of the research on this topic, we don't find a lot of articles. We see a lot on this area of like desired traits. So mate selection really kind of focuses on desirable traits and doesn't really focus too much in terms of the research anyway on undesirable traits, right? So people are attracted to desirable. And that's what the research studies, and people avoid undesirable, but we don't see that covered. Now, in the limited research we do have available, we see that these undesirable traits are sometimes referred to as deal breakers. And we see this in a lot of areas not related necessarily to mental health, right? Like certain deal breakers for certain people could be age, weight, height, whether somebody smokes or not, whether somebody uses drugs or not, including alcohol. If somebody has a criminal record, that's a fairly popular deal breaker, especially with certain types of offenses. We also see that employment status can be a deal breaker. So this is kind of an interesting area because I'm going to be talking about an article today that does add in mental disorders and examine them in terms of rejection potential. So is a potential romantic partner more likely to reject somebody with a mental disorder? But this study also included some of the general deal breakers that we see. Now, we know that relationship problems have been associated with mental disorders, so it wouldn't be surprising here to see a finding that people are more likely to reject somebody with a mental disorder. And a lot of this is based on the construct of social distancing. Part of the stigma behind mental disorders is that individuals in general, when they meet somebody with a mental disorder, tend to create Social distance, not everybody and not necessarily to a severe degree, but we do see this is the trend or the tendency. So it makes sense if we have this concept of social distancing that this would also apply to romantic relationships. Now we also see stereotypes about people who are mentally ill and the stereotypes tend to focus in terms of romantic interest anyway on traits like being incompetent, dangerous or unpredictable which of course is interesting because none of those traits are actually supported by the research literature. So it's really about how people perceive mental disorders as opposed to what actually happens with mental disorders. So of course, it's worth mentioning here as well that it's not just rejection at work here in terms of making romantic relationships difficult with mental disorders. Sometimes it is the nature of the mental disorder itself, like with personality or other characteristics. Like if somebody has low self-esteem or high neuroticism, including anxiety, we know these predict poor mating performance. So it could be that an individual with a mental disorder, depending on what mental disorder, may be more likely to avoid other people, so less likely to engage with people in romantic situations. And that could kind of explain why they're not as successful with romantic relationships. But here, again, in this study, this is really focused on Rejection. So this is focused on somebody without a mental disorder, looking at somebody with a mental disorder and rejecting them for that reason. So setting the mental disorder as a deal breaker. So we see several different levels kind of studied here in this paper. Friendships, short term sexual relationships, and long term serious relationships. And this particular study had three experiments and not all included all three levels, but Generally, this is what we see. And we also see that sex is looked at. So, do females react differently when they encounter somebody with a mental disorder as opposed to males? Now, what's interesting here is the participants in the study were asked to list the disorders, the mental disorders that were deal breakers for them. And with this part of the study, they only looked at short term sexual relationships and long term serious relationships. And the top five mental disorders that qualified as deal breakers were the same between short-term and long-term relationships. Now, six through 10, because they looked at top 10, they were different, so I'll cover those separately. But the ones that were shared, the top five, from strongest effect as a deal-breaker to weakest, we see schizophrenia, that was number one, then bipolar disorder, then major depressive disorder, substance use disorder, and number five was psychopathy. So, of course, psychopathy isn't actually a mental disorder, but it has an association with antisocial personality disorder, and it has somewhat of an association to narcissistic personality disorder. So if somebody was thinking of specific mental disorders when they said psychopathy, maybe they were thinking of those disorders. Now, when we move from the top five to six through 10. As I mentioned, it's different from short-term to long-term. For short-term relationships, we see number six is multiple personalities. So what I think they're talking about there would be dissociative identity disorder or symptoms of that disorder. Then we see anxiety, autism, anger, and someone who's violent. So again, with anger and violence, those aren't connected specifically to any one mental disorder. Now, with long-term relationships, number six was anger. Then we move to narcissism, that multiple personality one, obsessive-compulsive characteristics. And then there's a three-way tie for number 10, autism, anxiety, and psychoticism. So it's interesting here because narcissism was number seven on the long-term list, as I mentioned, and not on the short-term list at all, unless you count some of the characteristics of psychopathy. I talked about that before. Now, the reason I point that out is because when people are already in a romantic relationship and one person turns out to be narcissistic, we know that leads to a lot of problems. So it's interesting that that didn't really qualify as a powerful deal breaker, even though it actually does tend to have an effect. So this kind of speaks to how initial perception might not be accurate, might not be really helpful in terms of mate selection. But either way, moving on with the study, we see that in general, women had more deal breakers than men, and they had more deal breakers for long-term relationships than they did short-term relationships. We also see that when they factored in general deal breakers in the study, they added in poor hygiene, and sexually transmitted disease. These were added to the mental disorders that are already being studied. Here we saw that women rated traits more strongly as deal breakers as opposed to men, right? So when you look at all these different traits, women had a stronger reaction to these traits and were more likely to qualify them as deal breakers than men. We also see that men rated deal breakers less strongly for short-term relationships as opposed to long-term. So. For short-term sex relationships, men didn't really have as many deal breakers. So overall, when comparing general deal breakers to the mental disorder deal breakers, the mental disorders actually ranked as moderately severe deal breakers. So they were important in terms of predicting somebody rejecting somebody else, right? They seem to kind of rank among the general deal breakers in terms of strength. Now, in the last part of this study, in terms of the experiment, the last experiment, we see that they wanted to consider what would happen if a specific person was referenced. Now, in an experimental environment like this, of course, the specific person was still fictional, but they used real pictures and they used stories that were made up. So what they were really trying to do here was to put a face on the person instead of just talking about mental disorders and general Deal breakers, because sometimes when somebody's attracted to someone's face, that might change the way they process potential deal breakers. That was the thinking behind doing this. So someone might talk about a mental illness in general and say, no, that's a deal breaker for me. You know, I would never go out with somebody who had that mental disorder, but then they see somebody's face and these other characteristics associated with the face and they think, well, they might not be so bad, right? So that physical attraction component can change things up. Now, one problem with this type of experimental design, though, is they really have to restrict how many categories they use because you only have so many participants. And if you kind of cut the experiment into a lot of categories, so if you have a lot of mental disorders in general, deal breakers kind of available, you lose the ability to potentially detect a difference that's actually there when you have too many categories in terms of the statistical analysis. So they were restricted here In this case, to just four, they used four deal breakers. So they picked two deal breakers from the general, and this would be poor hygiene and sexually transmitted disease. And they picked two mental disorder deal breakers, schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. So again, restricted to just these four items. And they also compared these categories to somebody who had no deal breakers. Now, in addition to this, they also looked at three levels of relationship, friendship, short term, romantic relationships, and long-term. So really, they added the friendship component. So we have somebody with no mental disorders and no other deal-breakers, those four categories I mentioned, and then friendship, short-term, and long-term. So at this part of the study, what did they find? Well, they found here that all of the deal-breakers significantly reduced the willingness of the participant to engage in a friendship, a short-term relationship, or a long-term relationship. Talking about just friendship, the most powerful deal breaker in this list I mentioned before was poor hygiene. Then we moved to schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and then sexually transmitted disease. Now that kind of makes sense because you're talking about a friendship. So you wouldn't think that sexual contact would be involved. So having the sexually transmitted disease deal breaker at the end of the list, the least powerful predictor again makes sense. We see that with short term sexual relationships, we see poor hygiene actually had the strongest effect. Then sexually transmitted disease, STD, schizophrenia, and then bipolar disorder. And then moving to long-term relationships, we see the order change a little bit. It goes from STD to poor hygiene, and then schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. So really just the poor hygiene and STD moving positions from short-term to long-term. So we see here that the participants were More willing to get into a friendship as opposed to a short term or long term relationship. But again, the deal breakers were still significant predictors of people rejecting individuals at all those levels. Now, the mental disorders were found to be somewhat likely to lead to rejection. That was the finding here, even in an instance where somebody had an attractive face. So, that attraction component, having a face and other characteristics, attached to that face. And looking at the evaluation then, mental disorders were still deal breakers. Now again, looking at just schizophrenia and bipolar for this part of the study. So what we see here is there is a stigma with mental disorders. We see employment discrimination and a lot of other types of discrimination. And now we also see discrimination in romantic relationships. Even when people have high physical and personal attractiveness, They can be eliminated as potential mates with the addition of just one deal breaker. So positive traits can really help somebody to engage in a romantic relationship, but negative traits seem to play an important part in the way people evaluate each other as well, again, specifically to romantic relationships. So when I look at the results of this study, I mean, overall, I think that this is kind of saddening, especially with the friendship and the long-term relationships. I know that the short-term relationships are important for people as well, but in terms of like my work as a mental health clinician, I see people with mental disorders who want to engage in friendships. They want long-term relationships and of course, short-term as well. But they look at these different types of relationships and we see here that decisions are being made about individuals with mental disorders because of that mental disorder, right? Significant decisions about important relationships are made usually quickly and based on a perception or an interpretation of what a mental disorder does or how it affects somebody, even though, as I mentioned before, the negative aspects that are attributed to people with mental disorders aren't actually supported by research. So again, I found this kind of saddening as I was reading the results of this study. It's interesting, of course, but also kind of unfortunate as you think about it from a mental health perspective and trying to help people build relationships. So even though this is really the first study I've seen kind of directly on this topic, I think it more or less makes sense. I think a lot of people in the mental health treatment community would have predicted results similar to this. They may not have had the order of the mental disorders lined up with what we found here or whatever, but in general, people know there's a stigma associated with mental disorders in relation to romantic relationships. So we get this question, what can somebody with a mental illness, with a mental disorder do? Well, based on the results of this study, it would appear that forming a friendship first could be a good strategy because there's a lower chance of rejection for the friendship level of relationship. I've heard a lot of other advice too, kind of over the years, again, just based on this general idea that people already knew about the effects of a mental disorder. We see people that say, well, lie about it, right? Like just Don't tell someone you have a mental disorder if you're interested in a short-term or long-term relationship or even a friendship. I think this tends to lead to other problems, so I don't necessarily think that's a good idea. I usually would look at something like lying and say that's not going to work out. I think rather than that, maybe not focusing on it, especially early in the relationship, I think you could also look at some of the traits and say maybe there's opportunity to work on them like drug use or anger or violence or narcissism. Those are going to be problematic, of course, with that initial rejection, but they'll be problematic later on too. So it would make sense to kind of seek counseling and try to address those particular characteristics. I think as well, trying to change a general deal breaker, if possible, would be helpful. For example, poor hygiene, Or substance use. Now I mention that here because substance use doesn't necessarily have to be a mental disorder, so it could also be a general deal breaker. And of course employment status, right? So there's some general deal breakers that somebody could work on that would be unrelated to mental disorders. So you have that mental disorder category, but you also have the general category. Now another question I get here is what if somebody's already in a relationship and it's kind of formed like a long-term relationship and then that romantic partner discovers the mental disorder. Is there an effect here? So is somebody likely to leave someone because they discover they have a mental disorder after the relationship, again, has already formed, after it has some level of strength? I couldn't find any studies on this question, but I would say that from my experience as a clinician, that yes, if someone discovers you have a mental disorder, they could leave you because of that. I would hope that other factors would be evaluated in that, and it would be kind of a process that has intelligence and logic applied to it. But yes, yeah, certainly sometimes people leave because of that. Another question I get is, what if the relationship was started and nobody had a mental disorder and the mental disorder develops? What's the chance that somebody's going to leave in that situation or the other person will leave? Well, again, I've seen this happen too, especially with severe illnesses. I don't see it happen a lot with the development of symptoms that aren't really disruptive in functioning. But if the symptoms have kind of a major impact in functioning, especially if that extends over to employment, then yes, it can be a factor. It's unfortunate, but it is kind of one of the realities that people with mental disorders deal with and that the mental health treatment community has to deal with honestly as we talk to clients who are involved in romantic relationships. So as I mentioned before, this isn't necessarily good news, but I think the mental health treatment community was kind of aware of this And we work with people to help them deal with these situations. The presence of a mental disorder doesn't necessarily have to lead to rejection. And there are certain counseling techniques and strategies that can help people in relationships. So I would say if somebody's in a relationship with somebody with a mental disorder, consider attending therapy with them if that's something they're open to, like seek counseling together. It may be helpful, right, to get context and understand the effect of the mental disorder and maybe how coping can take place and how the relationship can still be successful. So jumping to conclusions and assigning a mental disorder as a deal breaker may not always be a good idea in terms of increasing one's probability of having
0: a good relationship. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Langa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. And should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris, and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to
1: share the stories of courageous individuals who've overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of wellbeing, courage and connection, and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover, and how to be brave.